0: Kristen's mom's death left them with more questions than answers. Their family dynamic has been deeply changed, and it leaves Kristen wondering what went wrong during her mom's illness. If you are enjoying the podcast, can you please leave a rating and review in whatever app you listen? I'd appreciate it. And now, Kristen's story. Hi, this is Beth. Welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Um, Today I have with me Kristen. And um, Kristen is a daughter without a mom. And um, she's going to share her story. And then I will come back at the end with a question or two. So I'm going to turn the mic over to you. Kristen, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Beth, for having me. And thank you for creating this place for those of us in this unfortunate members only club we are actually not that big of a community or it can certainly feel that way so i appreciate you providing this safe space for those of us who are Mm -hmm. and you know i've been thinking about the best way to tell this story in a few weeks since we've talked and because of those of us who have lost a mom uh, a parent in general know how your brain can go a lot of different directions while coping with that loss so I figured I would just go with my heart and tell the story of um, my mom and and how she passed and where it has placed all of us now and in our lives. So um, I I always thought I knew my purpose in life. I thought from a very young age, my purpose was to be a writer. And of course, over the years, that purpose has not always been my number one priority, but I've always felt deep in my soul that, it would happen for me if I just kept working on it. It didn't matter how long it would take, the time would pass anyway. And I knew that that would become my ultimate purpose in life. And it gave me my place in the world. But my mother's purpose was just that. She was born to be a mother. And it's nothing that she wouldn't say herself if she were still here, but that woman was put on earth to be our mom. And I had said this when she passed, that she wasn't just our mom. She was everyone's mom. And I am one of the lucky ones when I say that my mom was the very best mom. And in listening to a lot of other people tell their stories, a lot of other daughters tell their stories, you know, some of them have these complicated relationships, but most of them have amazing mothers. And that was my mother, Phyllis. She was the salt of the earth. Inherently good, inherently kind, involves... She put everyone, especially her children, before anything else. And every day when I wake up and I get my daughter ready for school, my goal is to just be the mother that she was to all of us and to everybody. Um, So I am actually the youngest of three children. I am an oops baby. My brother and sister are 11 and 9 years older than me, respectively. And even though there's a significant age gap, we are all close. And my sister and I, especially, she's a huge reason why I am the person I am now. She's my biggest motivator. And honestly, you know, I have no idea how I would have been able to process what happened with our mom without her and my brother. Um, But we as a family, were a close family unit. And it's very clear to me now that I'm removed from this a few years. It was because of my mother being able to have that branch in all of our lives that kept us together so my my mother was always in very good health for for being a you know in her early 70s she was very active she actually watched our daughter two times a week so every week she and my dad would drive down to our house an hour and a half to watch our daughter who at the time was two and a half and during COVID, uh, my husband and I had taken social distancing pretty seriously because our parents, uh, both his and mine, were immunocompromised. They were older, so we wanted to make sure that we were keeping them safe. So we really just stayed in our little pod, uh, which I do think has, for sure, you know, impacted our relationships and friendships. But um, at the beginning of 2021, we were starting to feel like we were out of the woods. And we had scheduled vaccine appointments for them and felt like we were really coming up, uh, you know, to a finish line where we could resume some normalcy in our life. And in late January, my mother called me and said, I have 102 degree fever. I won't be able to come down to watch Sienna with my daughter, uh, but I'll be there tomorrow. And I said, what do you mean you can't be here tomorrow? You have 102 degree fever. You need to get a COVID test. You're sick. Don't worry about it. And I got her a covid test, she got tested and she was covid negative and she was, you know, just sick. So, a few weeks had passed and she had gone back to another urgent care. They said it was just bronchitis, but she just couldn't shake this this cold and this cough that she had. She was low energy. So, she a few weeks later, she finally had come down to our house for our daughter's birthday and when she walked through the door, I knew something was wrong. She was white as a ghost. She was very lethargic. She had no energy. She had taken a nap on our couch for three hours, which was not like her at all. She was not one to take naps, period. So I felt like she was a little disoriented and I knew in my heart something wasn't right there. And I begged her to go to the doctor. I said, please go to the doctor this week. You need to be able to find out what's going on. And she said, Oh, I haven't gone to the doctor in two weeks, it's just to her GP, and I'll figure out what's what's wrong then. And during that time, I heard from my brother who lives, you know, two or three blocks away from them. And he said, You know, mom's not looking good. Something is wrong. I said, I know, please, like, we have to get her to the doctor. So she waited until she went to go see her GP. And he said to her immediately, to the emergency room. And as soon as she got to the ER, now remember this is the beginning of 2021. So there's still very strict restrictions when it comes to hospitals and visitors and who can come in. So she gets transported to the ER and where we find out that she has a very severe case of pneumonia and she was actually septic and her organs were starting to fail. And it just all happened so fast. And because we couldn't go visit her, even my father wasn't allowed to be there. We were at the mercy of nurses and doctors hopefully trying to call us. And I remember calling the hospital and a nurse called me back and she said, I don't know if you've spoken to anybody, but your mother is very sick. And it just happened so fast. I I couldn't understand how she had gone from having bronchitis to being in an organ failure and being septic and um, eventually, we were able to go see her individually, one person every other hour. We had to dress in full gowns. She was in a special part of the ICU, and I walked in and saw her, and she was she just looked completely different. And it was very heartbreaking for me. Um, but we had actually found out that she had a heart attack, and she had no history of heart disease. So she had actually had a heart attack. And that was what was causing the weeks of feeling lethargic, and you know there was fluid actually building up in her lungs from it, and that's what caused the pneumonia. So once they were able to pinpoint that, we were able, you know, to get her. She was getting well. They were able to get her kidney function under control. Her organs were starting to function normally again, and they had transferred her to a rehab center where she could, you know, because at this point she had been in the hospital for a few weeks. She gets transferred to a rehab center where they completely mistreat her. And again, this is during COVID when we're not able to go visit and even though, you know, at this point my my brother and I and my father had all had our first vaccines, they will not let us go see her. So we're at the mercy again of just those who are working in the rehab the rehab center. She does end up going back to the hospital while she's in the rehab center and she is in complete kidney failure. And At this point, she had to go on an outpatient dialysis while she she gets transferred to another rehab center at our insistence. And because of, again, social distancing guidelines and due to her outpatient therapy for dialysis, we were not able to see her at all. So the only person who was able to see her was my father who was able to sneak in the back door of the dialysis center where she was going and getting transported every day And he would sit with her at five o'clock in the morning every day while she got her dialysis. And he was the only one who was able to see her. So she's, while she's in rehab and she's starting to recover, she's starting to become a little bit more mobile and she's slated to come home. And this is probably mid July. So at this point it's from February and now we're tracking towards July and we have not seen her. So, except for, you know, my father, of course. So. When she's about to come back home, she has another relapse in the hospital. more, you know, kidneys are not functioning at all, but they send her home. Her days are at rehab are up, and she's got to come home. So my sister, who lives in Los Angeles, flies home. We're all gonna get Mom back home and on her feet, and we go to 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 sign her out of the of the rehab center. and it was the first time I had seen her in months, and she looked completely different. She had lost about sixty pounds. She'd lost almost all of her hair because of her dialysis treatments. Her voice had changed. It was very baited. Um, she was completely immobile and she was not able to you know, get up, walk, use the bathroom on her own. So we were very ill prepared for this. So we were able, she comes home and we, my sister and brother and I are looking at each other like, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna make this work? And the same day that she came home, my father started to act very peculiar. We knew something was wrong with him. My father, my father and brother, ended up going to the ER. And my father is diabetic. He had a diabetic toe wound, and it was so un- deeply infected that it was down to his bone. So well, now he has to go into the hospital that my mother just, eventually, you know, just got out of. He needs to get, you know, surgery to fix the wounds and goes into a rehab center. So he was home with her one day before she died. And, you know, he he was eventually going to take care of her and now he can't take care of her. So now the care is on us. And my sister, again, is home from Los Angeles. She ends up staying for over a month and she really took a, a big brunt of that because I live far away and my brother was helpful, but my sister was there. So over the course of a month, we are able to get her in home care. And my father, again, is still in rehab, trying to rehabilitate from this toe injury. And in the middle of August, my sister goes back to Los Angeles and my mother goes back in the hospital. And at this point, she is in complete organ failure and she cannot breathe on her own. She's not eating. She is vomiting after every anything that she does eat. Can't keep anything down, so she's placed in palliative care. I received a phone call early Monday morning. Said we we had to put your mom in palliative care. You need to come up here now. And my sister at this point had only been back in California for maybe a week and a half, so she's getting on a plane. I'm up. I'm driving up there. My brother has to go and bail my dad out of rehab and sign him out so that he can come see her. Because at this point we're we're where palliative care is end of life. And I actually did not know that until I said it to my husband. And my husband was like, you know, he's like, that's end of life care. So when I got there, I was the first one there. And she was in the ICU and she had a mask on to help her breathe. And she couldn't speak. And she knew I was there. And I said, Mom, I'm here. It's gonna be okay. We're all gonna be okay. And she was crying. And I, she looked at me right in the eyes and all I could think in this moment will haunt me for the rest of my life, because all I could think was how awful to have your child in front of you. And at this point, my mom, I know my mother, and I know that she knew she was going to die to be looking in your, in your child's eyes and not be able to say, I love you. I'm sorry for anything, you know, not to be able to say what you need to say to your, to your child. And I knew that that's what she was thinking, and that moment will haunt me for the rest of my life. So, at that point, we're speaking with the doctors, and they said, you know, she'll have no quality of life at this point. We can put her on a ventilator, and I said, please, absolutely not. You cannot put my mother on a ventilator. It, she, I, you, please don't do this to her. So we made a decision at that point to take her off all of her medications and. Anything that was supporting her at that point, we decided to stop all of those treatments, just knowing that this is not how she would want it to go on. And my sister at the airport had to say goodbye to her on FaceTime. And I know so many people who had to do that during the pandemic. I just can't imagine how awful it was for her. She really doesn't talk about it. And I can't say that I blame her. Um, so at that point, the doctor said that, you know, once we take her off the medications and everything, it'll be a matter of hours. And it ended up taking 27 hours. She lasted another 27 hours. She waited for my sister to come. And my, si- my, my sister-in-law came, my, my husband, and we were all in the ICU. At, at one point there were probably seven or eight of us in there. And I think that they were probably, pe- people on the floor just knew, we're not gonna mess with this family. We're not gonna tell them they can't be here. But we were all there and we were all there waiting. And at one point, you know, towards the end of the day, at this point, where, again, it's 27 hours, and we have been there for two days. And the one of the, the nurses came in, and she said, it, you have to go. She will not go unless you leave. And I didn't want to go. And I said, I cannot let my mother die alone. I can't do that. And they said, she's not going to be alone. And sure, was she not alone? Was there a nurse with her? Probably. But at the end of the day, she was alone. And But I know her, and she did not. She would not have gone if we were all still there, so we left around six thirty, and at nine forty-five on August twenty-seventh, she passed. And you know, so we're we're a few years removed from it at this point, and you know, it's it's starting to make me understand that her loss has rattled our entire family and her loss has been felt so deeply not just by her children or her husband but losing her changed the world and maybe not for everyone but for the people who loved her who knew how special she was the world is not the same for the people who who love us who are grieving their world is different now too and we're all out here just trying to know what it's like to live in this new world where she doesn't exist where she's not cheering you on, where she isn't sending you a birthday card that arrives in your mailbox two days before your birthday every year, where she's not asking how your day went. And it has made me feel like I have lost my purpose. And I don't know where I fit in this new world. And what I've been trying to do for the last two and a half years is figure out who this new person is that replaced the old one. And you know it's incredibly hard for me to admit this, but it has you know broken me and our family unit in ways that are beyond repair. And we are trying, you know, we try to 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 stay together, to have our holidays together, and it feels like it is slipping away. And it is so obvious that, that she was the only one who really kept us together. Um, it's hard to admit that because we you know we don't want to admit that that's happening but it is. And, you know, this loss has had major repercussions on my life. It's entirely changed the way that I see the world. And I eventually made a choice to leave a very stressful job because to me, I was no longer the person that can manage that type of stress. And it makes me wonder at a point, do I let go? But to me, letting go of my grief is letting go of her again and i do feel also that the way that our society use grief is such a problem because we as human beings are not com- comfortable with people being uncomfortable so we put them into this little box and we put those sad people in that corner and we don't think about them after if you you know the first few weeks and people are coming and they're giving you food and they're dropping the groceries and they're there for you, but then eventually life moves on and then they put you in that sad person box and that's, and that's where you are now. But for us who are grieving, it is just the beginning. And at this point, I am two and a half years into this. You know, I actually realized that this time, you know, the 16th of February, right on President's Day weekend is right when everything has started, right when she got sick. and I always tell myself it's not hysterical, it's historical, because I start to feel that that shortness of breath and that tightness in my chest, and I'm like, what's wrong? And I realize I'm coming up on that time of year where everything in my life completely changed. And now, at this point, I am trying to just find where I am in this new world, and who I am now versus who I was before, and trying to get to know her and what that means for the rest of my life
0: yeah everything changes in an instant just like that and it's never going to be able to go back to the way it was because it's physically not possible you know your the the normal of what it was with your mom around is just no longer available and that's why i think you know the toxic positivity that our society likes to panhandle sometimes, you know, well put on a smile and everything will be all right. Well no, mm-hmm. this isn't this isn't something that's going to be fixed. It's not going to go away. It's the rest of your life now. That, it you know, is. your new yeah, your new reality, your new normal. Um, and yeah, the ripple effects are wide and far and uh very deep reaching.
1: They they really are. And at the end of the day, what we go through as daughters without moms and daughters without dads and it it is trauma what happened to our family was traumatic and it's it's one of those things that i try to block out and i try to say like it's i'm strong enough to manage it, i'm strong enough to handle it and i think that my sister and my brother for sure feel this way too because uh when we are together which is so rare anymore especially you know my sister lives across the country but when we are together it's like that pent up uh feel that those pent up feelings because no one really understands no unless you have been in this in this side of the the fence you don't understand what it feels like so you know when we're together it's almost like this like explosion of emotions and pent up feelings that you know we check in with each other but when we're together, it's like this explosion of like, oh, you are the only people who understand me because we're all still coping with it after all these years. And really, at the end of the day, we will never know what happened to her. Her death certificate actually was listed shortness of breath. And I said, what? How is a shortness of breath? That's funny? how could that be something that that killed her? That eventually. But really, you know, it's hard for me. People ask all the time. How does your mom die? And this is such an awful thing to say, but I sometimes wish I could just say, quick bout of cancer and it got her in the end, but I can't. We lived through six months of, is she going to get better? Is everything going to be okay? And, and it wasn't. And I don't think the whole time we were not preparing for the end. We were so positive that we were going to be able to get her better and we couldn't. And I do feel in a lot of ways, you know, how did I fail her? Did I fail her? And I know that if she were here, she would just be like, stop it. Yeah. Stop thinking like that. Just you could you deserve to be happy. And I I leave my sister I say this all the time. She would be, if she could say anything, she would just literally say, you guys, need me <laughs> you need to knock it off. You need to knock it off. Go be happy. You deserve it.
0: Yeah. And I think, and I think that that's, that's kind of hard to put through our black and white minds, you know, because, mm-hmm. because her loss is such a deep wound for the daughter. But I think it is true. I think that if your mom would like the, the way you described her in the beginning, I want to see what I wrote. Cause you, I loved what you said. She was inherently kind and good. And she wasn't just your mom. She was everybody's mom. Like yeah. if you, you know, think about that mindset of a woman like that she she absolutely would understand that you're sad but she would want you to continue to live not get over it not you know all those things that people say but to learn how to live with your grief and with you know and with your loss um i had a moment once with um I don't know how you feel about signs and stuff, but I, you know, our our mom died when I was 13 and my sister was 16. So together she and I had lots of moments that we would, you know, say, oh, that's mom. And, uh, since my sister died, I've had lots of times where I literally, where I'm sad and I literally feel her with me, but Mm -hmm. then I'm like, you know, so, but if she's in heaven, she's not, I'm like, oh, she knows I'm sad. So I'm feeling her with me. But she doesn't experience pain. She's right. not. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't yeah. know. It was just this moment I, that I was like. Yeah, I was trying to connect yeah. it like she I know she knows that I'm sad and she's making, you know, yes. making me feel like she's with me, but she can't know that I'm sad because that would make her sad.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I am a big believer in science, although I sometimes find myself trying too hard to look for them and I don't. don't think that that's how they come to you um you know and and right now it's like what I'm trying to do is find you know I'm trying to find the thing that that's that sparks that joy in me I'm trying to find that part of me that used to love to write and she loved that I loved to write I wrote her obituary and um to me that felt like a no-brainer but I was also in those first few days of grief that you just feel like you are on like autopilot, like you almost like can't feel the pain for a few days for a while. And then all of a sudden it hits you. So now I'm trying to find the joy in those things again. I'm trying to, I'm so, I'm craving that purpose again for the first time in, you know, several years trying to find that thing that really gets me excited because that is what I know she would want me to do. But for the first, you know, two and a half years, I couldn't, I couldn't see that far ahead. I couldn't Mm -hmm. find it. Mm-hmm. and I definitely think that that's the thing that not a lot of people talk about when it comes to coping with this kind of loss
0: yeah is it you you mean that you feel lost is that what yeah, you're, you yeah
1: yeah I, you feel yeah. lost and the thing and the things that used to to get you excited the things that you felt were you know your purpose in life it's gone mm-hmm. I don't think it's gone forever but it right. definitely takes a bit of a backseat while you're trying to cope through everything else that's happening.
0: Right. Because like you said, your perception and your, you know, like your lens of the world changes. Yes, absolutely. With that loss. So things are different, you know, after that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You have, you know, people, you know, when you're at work and you have clients who are getting so angry about X, Y, and Z, and you want to just say, you know, my mom died. How, why do you care about what, about that? Why does that make a difference? But eventually, you know, you can't, you cannot keep thinking that way because everyone else moves on, but you do not. So for me, I had to make that change in my life because it wasn't going to change for me. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: knew that if I, if I stayed in, in, in that setting, I would never be able to, I would never be able to find the reason to, to really stay in it anymore. I never could find that purpose there. Mm-hmm. So I had to make you know, a life change at that point because it, it just didn't, it wasn't resonating with me anymore.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's ironic because I mean you you talked about how that society you know allows you they they facilitate your discomfort for a little bit but then you get put into that box and you get kind of pushed aside.
1: It's one of those things where when you feel it, you know, especially because of that when I lost my mom, I. There's never a good time to lose your mom. No matter what anybody says. So when I lost my mom, I was 36. I had a two-year-old daughter. So she was three actually at that time. And I felt like, how am I how am I gonna be a mom without my mom? She's the one who cheers me on on the days where I'm like, oh, I got it all wrong today. And she's the one who cheers me on. I'm like, how am I gonna how do you how do you cope with that now? And you look at I look at all of my friends and they all still have their moms and It's just so, it's so hard sometimes to be able to look at them and say, God, I wish I just had my mom to tell me what I'm doing wrong here. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't think that that, I don't think that will ever, that will ever go away for me. And I don't think it goes away for anybody who feels, loses their mom, especially when you have young children. I was actually listening to um, one of your episodes where she lost her mom. I think it was like two days after she gave birth and her name is escaping me, but it is, that is, um, I could not imagine, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, and I've lived through this. So you want to think you can imagine, but you can't, you can't Mm -hmm. imagine what that, what that kind of pain feels like Mm -hmm. that's entirely different.
0: Yeah. And you said, you know, letting go of my grief would be letting go of her. And, and that's definitely true, you know, because Mm -hmm. Because I there was something that somebody I saw it recently that said, actually I think it's a Macklemore song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that I'm thinking about it.
0: When I was exercising the other day where he says, they say you die twice. The first time is when you die, and the second time is the last night na- time your name is spoken. Oh, and that's I so was interesting. like, right? And that's so, so interesting. That's why I love this platform and, and that we can talk mm-hmm. about our moms and keep their names alive and moving and their memories um, because that to me, that is part of one of the hats that I wear as a daughter without a mom and the only one left yeah. in my family is to keep to keep them alive, to keep talking about them and saying their names. And, you know, that's part of what we what we carry with our loss.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And we um, every year when I was a kid, we used to vacation in Aruba and with my mom's uh, best friend and her husband. and we have not gone in several years. Um, my husband and I actually purchased it from my parents in early pandemic days. And this past year was the first year that we went and we went with my aunt, who used to go with us every year, and we both had this very unspoken, I think tension and nervousness about going because going back to that place where we had these really strong, sharp memories, like being in the exact same room that I stayed in with my parents as a young child, I said to my husband, I'm like, I'm going to walk in here and either I'm going to be euphoric or I'm going to be a puddle. And I really don't know which way I'm going to go. But being there with her, with my own family was one of those things that actually turned out to be so special. Mm. And to me it felt like that we turned a corner. And in that that week there we were talking about her with so much positivity and not with the grief but with the memories that we had and that felt like a very pivotal moment for me. Like I was able to really feel like I wasn't afraid of that place. We could celebrate her in that place. Mm. And now I, I said, I'm like, well, we've we've returned that corner so we can come back
0: now. <laughs> hmm. Isn't that beautiful? That's awesome. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. I think, you know, part of the healing journey is just diving right through that pain. You know, I think mm-hmm. we want to avoid it, but I think, I think to learn how to live with it, we've got to acknowledge it and name it and deal with it because it's, it's not going to go away. So sharing mm-hmm. memories like that and you know, going back to a place where, like you said, could be euphoric or could be devastating. Um, yeah, I'm glad that it turned out to be the positive one for you. Yeah. Yes, me too. And
1: it really it was across the board. And, you know, we were so happy that we fin- you know, we decided to finally go. Um, but it's, it's hard, even when you're, you know, two and a half years into it, you still have, And I think it doesn't matter how long you're into it for. But you still have bad days. I have days all the time where I'm like, "This sucks. <laughs> Is this ever not going to <laughs> suck so bad?" <laughs> mm-hmm. And am I ever going to just, you know? And sometimes my husband's like, "Well, what's the matter?" I'm like, "For the rest of my life, just assume that if I wake up and I'm not myself, you know what's wrong." Yeah, I'm. I'm having. I'm having an not great day. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And I mean, I'm sorry to tell you, but I'm 40 years in, and I still. I miss my mom. I just, we just, I work for a company that's celebrating a hundred years of business this year. And we wrote a book that, I mean, we worked on it for like 18 months. And when it finished, I was like, oh. like, you know, I really I wanted it. that affirmation from her or my dad or my sister. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, unfortunately we carry it with us for the, for the rest of our lives. Um,
1: yeah. You have these moments where you forget, right? I have moments that I wake up and I think, oh, I need to call my mom today and i don't really think that that ever goes away mm-hmm. for the rest of your life <laughs> yeah. yeah from what i from what i know yeah so yeah. far
0: but part of that is because that's the love that we're still carrying around for them you know um you know grief is the say, price
1: of it's the price of love
0: right grief is love looking for a home yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's true. for sure mm-hmm. uh, uh, i i don't know
1: I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a clip of Andrew Garfield talking about, I think he's on a a show that it's escaping me, um, but talking about the loss of his mom. And he was probably, you know, two and a half years into it too. And he actually said, he gets very emotional on it. And he said, he's like, this is not, he's like, I love talking about it. I love talking about this because it's all the unexpressed grief, all the unexpressed love. And I love talking about her and it doesn't matter that it still upsets me because this is where we never get enough time with each other and this is just all the love that I still have that has no place left to go. And I saw that almost, it might be like a month or two after she passed and it still hits me so deeply when I watch it because Mm. I, of course, have saved it into my archives of things that sometimes you need to just rewatch. If you have not seen it, I would definitely recommend
0: Andrew Garfield is that what you said
1: yeah I think he's on um oh gosh he's on a night uh one of those like shows I can't remember the name of it it's saving me oh I can't remember his name but if you look it up it's it's pretty easy to find
0: is he the one I saw a clip of somebody who like often picks up the tab for women's like breakfasts and stuff if he's out and he sees Women that are. I
1: don't think so. I I don't think that's him, but I would love to know who that is.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you send me Andrews, and I'll send you the one
1: I'm talking about. Yes, please
0: do. Uh I will find it and I will send it
1: to you.
0: Great. Well, and just you know, as we wrap up here, I want to give you, I want to offer you the opportunity to give yourself and your sister and your brother a little bit of grace with that whole ripple effect of your mom no longer being here, because I've I've heard it. Ex- I've expressed so many times I've seen it in my sister's family now that she's not there is that you just um, like try to step into that maternal role I think especially for the daughters we try to mm-hmm. you know keep, be the glue and keep everything that she used to do and it just just like your world will never be the same your, you know your family will never be the same but you know perhaps you have a conversation about like what do you need from me? What can I like? I can't be mom, but what can I do? And can you do this for me? You know, right. I think a lot of times we um think that people know what we need or how we feel or how we relate or, you know, those love languages. Um, but sometimes having those conversations can just be really, you know, freeing and honest and just to say, you know, I feel this loss. I know you feel this loss, but like how can we decide how to still you know, navigate it together, I yeah. don't know, you know it's
1: so true, it's so true, and you know. very, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think we're all just so, still trying to you know figure it out, yeah,
0: figure out how you <laughs> fit, yeah,
1: exactly. how yeah. are you fitting into this new world, and that's exactly what it is where where is your place in this in this new world where she's not there? So I think it's a lifelong journey,
0: absolutely, mhm. Yep. Yep. Well, I usually finish up with if there's a final thought or anything you want to share before we say goodbye.
1: Well, I just want to thank you again for for mm-hmm. having me, for having this platform for all of us and a safe space where we can come and listen and talk about you know these great losses in our life. So, thank mm-hmm. you again for having me and for creating this platform for for all of us who unfortunately feel this heaviness in our life every day.
0: Hmm. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.